we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 170 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and the fan favorite, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for asking. It's been a gorgeous day. I hope you two have, uh, are equally experiencing fantastic weather. More or less. Huh? Yeah. Healthy and alive here, and the weather here is starting to warm up uh, and humid. So yeah, we, we're, we're getting gorgeous sunny days. Just thinking about that curve. That curve must be flatter than some kind of trans kid with chest bindings by now, I would have thought, after 170 weeks. You would think so, yeah. Uh, but it, it, we're just we're going to continue to flatten that curve because that's what we need to do. Now, they say that the pandemic is over, but we're not out of danger yet. So we're going to continue on. I thought we would start today with um, with a little bit of... Uh, well, a little bit of social credit. Marty, what do you think about social credit? What, what do you think about this this idea that they want to give everybody? And remember, the, um, the, the, the vaccine passport, that was to be the step in starting everybody towards the, uh, the digital ID, the digital wallet, the, the, you know, the COVID passports and everything. That was supposed to be the foot in the door. Apple have said that they are rolling out the digital wallets with their new iOS versions. And now Android or Google have said, you know, Android's their operating system, have said they're going to roll this out with their next update. So now everybody's going to get one of these things, whether you want them or not. The World Health Organization says we would like to thank the EU for beta testing, more or less, this um, this infrastructure. And we're happily going to take it over now and we're going to roll it out arbitrarily to the world. So what do you think of that? Well, there'll be a, a bit of a, a long preamble to my answer, as you'd expect, because I do waffle on. Earlier today, I was playing uh, a game called World of Warships on my PC. Uh, I, I count it as research, given my, my profession. And you get a little chat box on there that, you know, if you're not talking over things like TeamSpeak or Discord or, or whatever, you can chat to other players and give them information. And I was a bit bored and I typed in, use cash, avoid digital currency. And it started an absolute amazing debate. Some people were going, oh, shut up, you left wing. Oh, sorry, you right right wing idiot, conspiracy theorist, theorist. And a Dutch guy who carried on talking to me after that battle, in fact, was very awake and very aware. But it was it was being called uh, a right wing idiot. Uh, oh, all these conspiracy theorists are right wing. That's the biggest load of nonsense going. Now, whilst it might be the case that you do get some real nut jobs with conspiracy theories, the last bastions of personal freedom, the real libertarians, are conservative, middle-of-the-road people like us. The left, they're all too willing to give up their rights, their freedoms, their liberties, because they think they're going to get something for nothing. Uh, and that's the problem with social credit. You still wind up with people who just want freebies. They just want a free ride. But they don't realize how much they will actually be giving up and the rights that they will be signing away if they allow it to happen. If we stop using cash, if um, we allow these social credits to replace earnings. 
which of course is going to be possible with the amount of automation of you know manufacturing and food produce it is going to be possible to feed whatever population the earth has left bearing in mind china in the last 15 years has gone from about 1.7 billion down to 1.3 billion you can see that populations across the face of the world are in decline so a social credit system is going to be possible because they won't be needing to feed quite as many of us and automated systems can make the things that we need and grow the foods or the insects that they want to feed us the insects yes the insects they can uh, they can keep that you're familiar with um obviously you're familiar with london obviously being in the uk you've you've been there before many many times uh you're familiar with greenwich yes yeah yeah i have um performed in the painted gallery in greenwich naval academy which is no longer a a, a working naval academy that's all done elsewhere uh, and of course you've got the observatory at greenwich and the international dateline which runs through greenwich Greenwich so, Mean Time, um, yeah. GMT. Yeah. Well, I thought that um, that I would play this little piece here. This is a, a gentleman in uh, in London who goes into a um, uh, an Aldi shop. I'm sure you're familiar with the the chains, right? They they have them in, of course, in uh, in Germany. Yeah. They've got o- them in Aldi, France. Aldi uh, uh, is for when you're too poor for little. <laughs> That's true. It's interesting, you know. We have um, we have Aldis in the U.S., but they're, they're it, like it's different than what it is here. Obviously, it's a you know it's a German chain. And I, when I came here, it's like you can get just about everything you want inside of an Aldi. You can get furniture, you can get power tools, you can get electronics. You hell, you <laughs> I think you can get a car in some places. <laughs> it's crazy. They they both little and Aldi, and I should just state actually that they're quite good value food outlets. But in Lidl, they call it the middle at Lidl and the middle aisle of the supermarket, which they tend to be a bit smaller than the larger chains like Asda, Tesco's, Sainsbury's. There's all sorts of things, chainsaws, wetsuits, surfboards, uh, and it's all whatever they've picked up off some ship, probably of the People's Liberation Army Navy Auxiliary. That's it. Yeah, that we were talking about in prep, <laughs> which we will um, talk about uh, that delivered. very shortly. Yeah, yeah, we will talk so, about yeah, that very okay. shortly. Okay, sorry, I, I, I digress. No, no. I... no, you're you're fine. You're fine. It's all relevant. Uh, th- anyway, this is a gentleman walking into a shop just this afternoon. Actually, I'd like to get your considered and informed opinion on what this gentleman's about to show. We're going so into the this. store. You're in and London. Download You're on a business trip. Go out. You're staying in Greenwich. And you want to buy some food. So you go into the local oldies, like this one. And you think, I'm going to go in here and buy some food so that I can feed myself. And then you approach the barrier. And look. You can't even get in the shop without having a QR code to scan here or to scan here and then you can go and buy things. Now this looks to me like the beginning stages of the digital prison that we keep talking about. What do you think? Wow. Wow. Um, I'm not suggesting, in fact, I know I'm going to be very careful what I say here, but that kind of place and that kind of adherence to the WEF imaginings for the future needs to be um, dismantled uh, as quickly as possible. I think Bruce, that's the only way I can put yeah, it. Yeah. If I said Bruce, really feel, we'd, we'd get taken off air. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is what we've been talking about. Um, they just abruptly do these changes, um, and you're not allowed to buy food or anything without having a QR code. What are you going to do? Well, most people are going to capitulate, and they will scan the QR code to get in. Um, they will follow the rules, more or less. And you will then be subjugated to a digital dark age for an unknown amount of time. 
because at that point they have full control of you. Once they have control of the food and healthcare and well currency, but they've had currency for a long time, you're going to do whatever the hell they want you to. Like having one of those, uh, you know, the, the bull rings, you know, on their nose, you know, and they're just dragging you around. That's that's what's happening now. They get that, they're going to put that ring through your nose. That's interesting. Most of the uh, the Gen Zers and the people that, that got the uh, the jabs and the COVID passports, most of them have those nose rings already. Yeah, perhaps it's, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, to indicate that I am prepared to be um, led around by the nose. But we spoke the other week about is poverty the mother of crime? Uh, and I tell you, you know, you can be very rich, but if you do not want to download that QR code and get the app, it means you can't shop there. You will just go somewhere else until the same thing happens to the next outlet. But I tell you what really is a, a mother of crime is hunger. And when people get hungry and, you know, they've got nothing else to lose, then you see just how bad crime can be. So if they, you know, the Dutch guy that I was talking to in the chat box on World of Warships earlier on, everything that we've said about the Dutch government and the restrictions they're putting on farmers, which, you know, the Netherlands' biggest food producer in Europe for certain types of produce, he agreed with and he's seen it firsthand. And we've seen the videos of of the the demonstrations with the farmers in their tractors and people coming in across the border from Germany and so on. It's all about, you know, you if you want to control anyone, control their food, control their water. And here we see it happening. Indeed, we do. And I, I suspect that we're going to have uh, more of this. I, I don't see any signs of this stopping until people finally just say that's enough and they start tearing it out themselves. Uh, that's I, honestly, I think that's what it's, it, it's going to have to come down to. And I, again, I'm not advocating for violence here, but they're not leaving people a whole lot of choices here. This is ridiculous. Again, no one's asking for this. The only people that are asking for this are the people that are sitting on the stages at places like the World Economic Forum saying this is for your own good. I don't think so. I don't think so. It bears no relevance to reality whatsoever. I feel a little bit like a coward, actually, at the moment, because earlier today, one of those memories popped up on Facebook from about three years ago, and it was a post that I'd put describing all the things that we've been talking about, all these conspiracy theories, air quotes, that have now come become conspiracy in fact. Uh, and I, I, I nearly reshared it with the caveat to those that said, I'll do something when it affects me. Have you noticed anything yet? But I know that the people who I've had that conversation with would recognize it immediately that I was having a go at them. So I didn't do it, but they're still fast asleep to listen to us here on the podcast. So I can say it with, um, you know, a, a certain amount of, uh, of freedom on here, but I can't do that on social media, anti-social media, which is really what it is. And yes, I know you're about to say, why do I bother? And I've explained that yeah, before. You got it. Why Why do you bother? And and to this day, I you can give me all the ex- explanations you want, but to this day, I don't understand why you do. Uh, I, I get well, that it, it, it's Phil's time or something. If I had social media... But- have ever either of you have ever seen uh, an Ameridote video with Master Ken? No, no. You need to like look it. up Ameridote and Master Ken. Uh, without social media, I would not know about that. I also wouldn't know about uh, Retard Food, which is one of the funniest little videos ever produced and and spurted out on social media. Um, in fact, it's so influential that we now call certain foods in in our house the same way as they're described on retard food again you'll have to listen to it you humor me i don't want to you know convert you does this require me i'm just curious does this require me to actually go on to these ridiculous networks well yeah you'd have to go probably onto youtube yeah well i tell you what let's let's discuss this for just a minute and then we'll get into the um uh, the people's liberation army navy so let's just discuss this for a couple of minutes so you heard about Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, which is Mark Zuckerberg's company, same company as WhatsApp. You know, all these these wonderful yep. networks that everybody loves to use. You heard about what happened with them? 
Well, I've heard lots of things. I know a lot of people got fired. Then, No, the latest thing, I mean. No, please enlighten me. The Wall Street Journal, take that for what you will, did a piece the other day, and it was an exclusive piece that they put out on Instagram, unveiling that they have connected a vast pedophile network on Instagram. The units, uh, let me see, units systems for fostering communities have guided users to child sex content. The company says it is improving its internal control standards as a result of this. Of course, they used certain things to allow these offenders to connect to certain networks. Counts openly devoted the commission and purchase of underage sex contents, according to the investigation by the Wall Street Journal. And they used things like maps. Yeah, Bruce, maps. Uh-huh. You know, the minor attracted person. So when anybody oh. would put up a an emote of a map or cheese pizza, you know, the little cheese pizza emote, yeah, that thing would stand for child pornography and they would be connected to those networks. That's, that's I mean, that's one of the ones I don't use. I've even been forced to use WhatsApp for work purposes oh. because oh, we disgusting. have WhatsApp groups How? for when... How, other networks are down. How is that Nothing, even possible? How is that possible? Well, it, You've got governments happens. that are using and contractors that are and and defense contractors that are using compromised systems. How is this even possible? How is this even allowed? It's purely uh, used as a, a you know a a social communication between team members. Nothing classified. Nothing even remotely restricted is ever put across on these things at least from us but that's not to say big mistakes haven't happened in the past otherwise in the business integrity training that i was delivering a while back there wouldn't have been a whole section on should such and such have used the whatsapp group to talk about this you know they give you these little scenarios in which someone makes a glaring security breach and then we talk about why they shouldn't do it so but they they still have them. It's there. It's an app. Everyone's got it on their phone, and people use it to stay in touch um, when they're not logged on to their laptop and got their email open. That's crazy. There are other more secure forms of communication out there that I would suggest. I, I mean, there's a laundry list of them. Go ahead, Bruce. So I'm I'm curious uh, because of who this is coming from, uh, the Wall Street Journal. There uh, could this be a, for lack of a better term, a false flag. Could this be something that they're they're pushing out there to try to get government to impose more restrictions and get the public uh, to agree with government restrictions on social media? Because that's one of the things they're pushing for right now is to, quote unquote, regulate um, uh, social media. It is possible. I could see your point there uh, because, I mean, obviously we've seen the biggest pushback when it comes to the agenda of targeting children. However, they don't seem to be targeting these uh, all ages drag shows or any of these uh, these story hours or any of that stuff. Uh, they don't seem to be too concerned with those aspects that get, you know, teachings in the schools and, and things like that. They don't seem to be too concerned about that, but they're raising a big, uh, a big ruckus about this. So it's possible. I see your point there. Yeah, because it, it, as you just pointed out, it doesn't make sense because they're supporting the uh, all age group uh, drag queen story hour or drag show where things literally kids are being groomed. Uh, there, there's uh, indecency, you know, all those kind of public indecency. I mean, literally, they should be arrested for some of these things that, that go on in these uh, shows. None of these new major newspapers are reporting on this or or pointing that out, that this is literally grooming kids. This is pedophile uh, behavior. And yet now they're pushing that, oh, we found these pedophile rings. It, it, it smells funny. It's a fair point. That is a fair point. And speaking of being compromised, uh, Marty, this dropped this afternoon. Your prime minister, who's actually at the White House today visiting with the ice yeah, cream Yeah, no, I've just seen the that. trick on, um, sorry, Rishi. Yeah. Not I've just seen him on, on the local news here. I was hoping that he would have thrown the baseball on the piece that they showed just so I could see what a limp-wristed, terrible sports person he actually is. But yeah, with, you know, he's talking it, it all up about, you know, the friendship between the US and the UK. That ended a little while ago. That ended with Obama 
saying if you vote Brexit, you'll have to go to the back of the queue for any deals. Well, so we don't we don't claim that to be in, uh, of any validity because that man and his associates are responsible for this jackpot that we're in within the last decade yeah. or so. So um, I wouldn't pay any credence to that. We are dear friends, and I would prefer that we stay that way. Yeah, sure, we are, but our countries we're just getting screwed by yours royally. As as uh, that goes all the way back to Reagan, in fact. Yeah, but it's um, a, it's a bigger punishment now since since Brexit. Since you voted to leave the the global community, just like we actually did to you know with the Donald Trump thing, we actually voted to leave the global community. They're not very happy with us right now. No, no, but unfortunately, um, the video with um, um, Hillary Clinton introducing Soros. Now, this must have been 15, 20 years ago, uh, where she said, uh, there's a future and not everyone has got a part to play in that future. But we're fortunate. And that gives me great pleasure to introduce George Soros. And the first words out of that scrotum's mouth was, um, it's now become time where I have to get involved in your electoral process. It goes, you know, I only saw that video the other day. And I'm assuming you've seen it or are aware of that. I've heard of it. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard yeah. of it, yes. And so, but going back to even even with Reagan, who was as Republican as they come, you've heard of Spitting Image, um, mm -hmm. basically uh, a satirical puppet show. And you've got the, the puppet of Ronald Reagan drooling as he's looking at Margaret Thatcher going, God damn, shame it's only her country I'm screwing. And, you know, that was back in the 80s. So the special relationship between the US and the UK has been breaking down over decades. And a lot of the research that, that you two have been doing, when we get further into that, will we'll reveal exactly why that that relationship is being broken down and disrupted. And, you got it. Yeah. yeah. As well as with other European nations as well. Uh, so that's not to... Uh... That's not to say that it's exclusively between the U.S. and the U.K. If, if they could drive a wedge in between the two of us, that would be it, it, between the two of us and between the Germans. And if they can separate France from the West, which they're, the Chinese are trying to do with Macron, you can see that. Uh, but if they can do that, if they can split up that particular alliance, the U.S., the U.K., Germany and France, if they can if they can fracture that, then they can dissolve NATO. And that would be the end of it. The, the thing is. With something like NATO, until the threat is almost upon it, because it is, without anyone else's efforts, quite a disparate organisation, even though we exercise together and, um, you know, a lot of things are conducted in the English language, which makes communications and coordination a lot easier. Because let's face it, most native English speakers are really bad at learning other languages. So, it's because everybody speaks uh, English. Because <laughs> everyone speaks English. But until the, the threat is almost upon it, upon it, NATO doesn't gel together. And and I think that's the problem. And that's the, yeah. the thing yeah. that they are using against us. Yeah, that's that, that's that's true. Um, and I, I want to get into that uh, and, and everything that, you know, the game that China's playing. I want to get into that. But uh, to segue, to kind of do a segue here, to show that this is actually a problem. Now, whether this is just done cosmetically or whatever, because I consider your PM no disrespect. I consider him to be about as effective as our ice cream salesman we have in the uh, uh, in the White House there. He's about as spineless and as clueless as they come. So, again, as I don't like mean to say in the Navy is about as much use as tits on a fish. That's about right. Yeah, that. Um so today, he has announced that the UK will remove Chinese surveillance cameras from sensitive government sites. <laughs> I, I didn't realize you actually had them there. But uh, yeah, you, you buy anything be... these days, anything, it's going to have parts made in China because all of our manufacturing has been taken away from us. So just about any kind of technology is going to have something to do with China. Why Why does this have to be publicly announced? If you're really concerned about uh, national security risks or any of those kind of things, why don't you just do it? Just, just start manufacturing your own and replace them or buy them from someone else that you believe is more secure and then just install it. Why do you have to make a public announcement that, hey, we're doing this? When you, um, when you look at 
retooling of factories, uh, production lines, and how long it would take for a UK or a NATO country to retool to produce those kind of cameras or the electronics that they operate on. You're looking at a, a lead time in in months, probably six, eight, maybe even 12 months lead time before they can start producing things that aren't compromised. That will leave a period of time where if these surveillance systems are removed, where they will have no alternative to put in their place other than boots on the ground, men and women uh, patrolling um, those areas that are currently, you know, monitored and surveyed by or surveilled by cameras. So, uh, yeah, it's a very good point. Why not just do it? But it, that really is easier said than done. I, I don't disagree, but I guess part of the issue that I have with it as well is you're telegraphing to the enemy that you're going to do this. So, as you said, there's going to be a period of time, if they remove them immediately, there's going to be a period of time where there's nothing. So that potentially makes it less secure in that in those areas, potentially, um, unless you can muster the manpower to... Uh, you know, it, it, I don't know how many facilities this in, in incorporates and how many uh, people it would take to patrol those areas. And, you know, it could be a lot of cameras, you know. Yeah, um, but you've got in the UK, they've um, they they got rid of a load of police officers and replaced them with things called Pixos, which is like a renter cop. It's not a real cop, hasn't mm. got the full uh, powers of arrest. Hasn't like had the same monitor. training. Yeah. And our standing army is getting smaller and smaller, but it's not involved in any major conflicts anywhere at the moment. So it could be, and um, this is just a guess, it could be the reason Sunak has announced it is it gives them more reason to beef up physical patrols in these areas, which would also then deter protests in these areas, such as four-mile-an-hour cars driving at the gates at the end of Downing Street. that uh, That's a fair point. Uh, though at the same time, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that our, uh, our government's government in general is uh, stupid and inefficient. Yes, bad. Yeah. So I, I kind of suspect they're going to leave the cameras in until they get the replacement cameras because they're just that dumb. And they, they just telegraph to the enemy that, Hey, if you want to get the information, you got about a 12 month period to get the information before we're removing those cameras. So it, it, it kind of just, I don't know, it, it feels it, it feels off. You see, although it might be a politician like Rishi Sunak announcing this, it's based on information and advice from civil servants uh, and security analysts who are either ex-military, ex-police, ex-intelligence service, or the intelligence services themselves. So whilst the, um, the, the, the decision is Sunax and the announcement is Sunax, this has come from layers within the establishment. And they know all these things. They're aware that there's going to be a gap, or if there's not going to be a gap, that does give that window of opportunity for any backdoor surveillance devices within these cameras to gather as much intelligence as possible. But it's always the same with anything you hear from government is misdirection. It's misdirection for the people. The thing we were talking about earlier in, in prep uh, about, you know, how, how propaganda is used, you may appear weak. It may be a case of looking to the outside or uh, appearing to outside eyes looking in that we do not know what we are doing. And we at our level, we will never know exactly. But it, to me, it sounds fishy, as you say. Indeed, it does. And Bruce, you'd be happy to know that uh, the communist Chinese are setting up a spy base in Havana, Cuba. You heard that this afternoon, I'm sure. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I did see that. And, you know, first of all, it took you this long to get to creating spy base that close. Um, I'm, um, I'm surprised betting it took that you that they long. already had one. I'm, I'm yeah. betting they already had one and they just found out about it. And so they're reporting it. That's my guess. Yeah, that that, that kind of sounds about right. 
And as Marty's saying, with everything being made in China nowadays, we don't know how many backdoors that they already had. So we don't know um, how much information, how much intel, how much, how many of our secrets are no longer secret. That is true. All right. Moving over to China. Earlier in the week, Marty, now now that we've kind of had a few days to digest this and, and take a look at it and kind of soak it all in, get the proper soak time and everything, uh, look at different satellite images and things, I, I thought we would discuss this. You being a... Uh, uh, a former Navy man, as I sent this over to you earlier in the week, you were looking at it and you were saying, yeah, um, where's the elevators on this this carrier that the Chinese unveiled last year? This is the Fujian carrier, type 033 carrier that they debuted last year. It's an exact copy of our Nimitz class. This is supposedly their answer to the USS Gerald Ford, which is in the Baltic NATO exercises at the moment. Uh, by the way, there were five Russian bombers that were headed for it uh, a few days ago, and we scrambled a whole squadron, and they all turned around and went back. So I'm I'm assuming that was just done on purpose, you know, just a little, just a small provocation, kind kind of like the um uh, the fact that the Chinese about rammed one of our ships the other day when it sailed through the Strait of Taiwan. That within 150 yards, I mean, you can throw rocks and hit each other at that distance. But anyway. This was the unveiling photo or the unveiling video right from China. I don't know if you saw this. This was last year, Marty, almost to the day. It was like June 14th of last year or something like that. And this was their unveiling of it, right? And as you can clearly see, is the a pride celebration? One would think so. Yeah, the, one, the, one would. The, the cannons going off with all the different rainbow smoke. I was wondering if. And it, the streamers it, coming down the side of the carrier there. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. So yeah, they uh, they, they built a, a very very nice looking uh, carrier there, and as you can see, they they've got these these looks like uh, warehouses or pole buildings or something covering up the launchers. Looking at it, right, just looking at the still shots here. Of course, this is before the ceremony, right? So looking at the still shots here, nothing really looks out of the ordinary just from the angles that they show you. It's being pulled by tugs here. Of course, there's nothing on the deck. You don't see anything even like they, they didn't even paint the lines on the deck, you know, where the aircraft would move the lanes. They, they didn't even paint that. Now, you had said that it's not uncommon for ships to go through a, a fair amount of maintenance, right? And I, I've heard that and I've, I've seen that, but this is the top down view, okay? So this is, again, this was during its christening. So right before she was put to sea in the shipyard, okay? So this is the exact dock where she was built. And as you can see here, I'll let the camera pan. This is drone footage from overhead, okay? You, you'll see the two spots where there should be the elevators are clearly lined here, and here. So one forward, one aft, correct? Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is, is that there is nothing there. Now, this is the same ship. And the reason that we can say for certain that it's the same ship is because of this clear discoloration right here on the deck. Okay. This is not a shadow. You see the shadow clearly there, but yeah. right next to this is a discoloration. Now, if you're to go to the satellite footage that we have, you see the same discoloration here, right? Now, this, yeah. mind you, this ship disappeared for over a year, and then it reappeared a few days ago in port where it was launched. And what's interesting is what you noticed right away are the cracks in the back of the deck. Now, this was reported by the Epic Times as well. And as soon as you saw those cracks, you said, that that's not normal. That shouldn't happen. And why is that? No, I, when, you, when you spoke to me about it, I was expecting to see various patch repairs across the whole of the flight deck. You know, the, the stuff we use will be similar to what they use and it, it it chips it breaks it becomes uh necessary to repaint and resurface whole sections of, of of deck but there's none of that going on there those two cracks that we can see on the photo but unfortunately the listener can't they look to me nothing to do with aircraft landing on or weather you know normal weathering they look like there's some kind of twist and poor alignment of the ship as it's sailed that have caused major metal fatigue and that very much looks like big chunks of that deck are about to fall apart 
Which leads the question, why? Why would they do such a thing? Why, why would they have such poor maintenance? Now, it, again, if this is, again, this is back in the, in the shipyard dock. Now, if this was something that was of, because you had mentioned that when they, put, uh, when they put the ships out to sea for a year, they always come back as part of their maintenance schedule. They come back, they get stripped down, and they get uh, resurfaced and, and repainted and everything else. But my question is, where's the crew? Even if you've got everybody that's on the ship on leave, you know, if everybody is on leave, you still have a maintenance crew. You would still see some maintenance going on on the ship, wouldn't you? I see you, none of you that. Would e yeah, you, you would expect to see the odd bod around. But again, in the Royal Navy, we had a saying, heaven forbid they should ever see a junior eight, because as soon as there was any kind of photograph to be taken, um, for instance, on a destroyer or a frigate, if your helicopter went up to take a uh, a photograph of the ship underway, it was hands off the upper deck. You, you'd never see anyone. So this photograph, I'm assuming, maybe they've cleared the upper deck for the purposes of the photograph. But this is from a satellite. You're you're about to say it's from a satellite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing that we were looking at, and and you'd alluded to it earlier on, is that um, the uh, where I would expect to see the two aircraft elevators there's nothing there there's no sign that there, there, there's no you would see the outline you know that there, there has to be a join and it would be uniform in the shape of uh, a rectangle where the aircraft are raised and lowered from that flight deck and there's nothing there i can't see the elevators so that which means first it's, fake. Image, it's fake well <laughs> it, and the it, fact it, and the fact that they still have the catapults with the same structures built over top of them. This is not a working carrier. No, yeah, are they, are they actual steam catapult runs? Well, that's where they're supposed to be, but we don't know. We don't know because we've never seen it in action. Now, the Chinese, they say that this is their third carrier and they're due to launch a fourth in the coming years. And they say, of course, they say the fourth is going to be more advanced than this one. Now, that's not saying a whole lot. The one carrier that they do have, I, I believe it's their first carrier, is from, what did we say, Bruce? It was from 1981, I think. And it was, it, it yeah. was, it, they bought that carrier. They didn't even build it. They bought that carrier from the Soviets and it's still in service today. And I think they have one other and that's it. They just have the two. This was, this was said to be their third and they've got a fourth one in the works. But the ones that the Soviets had, and, and I, I don't know off the top of my head if that's what the Chinese bought, but the Kirov class Russian carrier, again, like our through-deck cruisers that we used to have, HMS Illustrious, Ark Royal, uh, HMS Invincible, could only really operate um, VTOL aircraft and helicopters, not full uh, fighter jets. The, the Chinese the don't have... The, the Chinese, I'm sorry to interject, the Chinese don't have VTOL technology. Not, no, but the, not Russians the, the Russians did. The Russians did, yeah, so, that's true. So they yeah. may have sold them those aircraft that's with possible, the, yeah. the Kirov class carrier that they bought however many they bought um and that they weren't really we didn't class invincible illustrious and art royal as carriers we called them through deck cruisers they don't qualify under international law as aircraft carriers whereas this if it was real certainly would do now here's something interesting okay so i grabbed a few other photos here satellite images here now bruce and i were spending a, a good amount of hours this week going through some of this stuff and we decided we were just going to go up and down the um of uh, the I, I don't want to sound mean here but the industrial waste line because that's if you look at their their rivers where they are it's just it's just atrocious it's just got awful the, the discoloration and the pollution is just out of this world it's it's not even comprehensible like we were looking at it i, I understand that china's got environmental issues because it's the chinese communist party but this is just unbelievable the yangtze river of how polluted it is you've actually oh, seen I know. it 1986 I was sat on the quarter deck of HMS Manchester in, alongside in Shanghai. And the moment you start to go up the Yangtze, you lose buoyancy because the river is so full of silt, uh, the way it washes off the, the surrounding land. And it, it smelled really, really bad. I'm not making this up, but there were dead animals, cows, pigs floating past as I was sat on the quarter deck. You know, almost at water level, uh, just slightly above. In fact, I, I, when I went ashore to one of the friendship shops, 
I bought uh, a jar of tiger balm to put under my nose because the the smell was so bad while we were there. And it is it is heavy heavily polluted yeah, by industry, yeah, yeah. but also naturally silted as well. Yeah, I mean, you can just you, without being there up up close and personal, face to face as you were, just seeing it. But I grabbed some more images here of some of their other. Uh, shifts. This is a destroyer that's just down from that. Um, again, you can see clearly that this is a Navy ship. You can see that this is from the People's Liberation Army Navy. This is this is not a merchant vessel. But my question yeah. is, where's the crew? You've got two tugs that are pushing it, you know, into dock. Shouldn't you see a crew out there ready to, to disembark, ready to, to shore up and anchor up and, and, and ready to disembark? I don't want to burst your bubble. Yeah, but again, go ahead. That's a photo opportunity, and it's kind of standard to clear the upper deck so that you haven't got anyone in the photograph. But a satellite, um, though? I understand a helicopter. Also, also that, that vessel, whether it's coming along, alongside or then, then leaving harbour with the assistance of tugs, nowadays, if you look down the sides of that of that vessel, you'll see that there's there's no open, what we would call two-deck. Yeah, there's there's no open sides to it. You've got the flight deck and the forecastle, which can be accessed. But everything else, mooring, replenishment at sea, is all done through things called RCSs, which is radar cross-section enclosures or closures. So to make it more stealth, the sides are closed in and there's big hydraulic operated doors so that when they need to put lines ashore or pass lines to another ship for a replenishment, they're opened and closed for that purpose. So, I mean, it it's part of design. That's the way ships have gone. So that they are certainly, at least in the case of that frigate or destroyer, you know, that they're showing the same kind of advancements that we are using in our new platforms. And to your point there about for uh, stealth purposes, this was uh, something that kind of shocked us. Uh, I mean, it's not really surprising, but it, it did kind of shock us the fact that their entire fleet, carriers and all, <laughs> real or imagined, is all diesel. None of this is is quiet. They, they don't have the, uh, the nuclear cesium reactors like we have on our carriers and, and in our subs. They're all diesel, everything. How do they expect to remain quiet in any operations that they do? And and more to the point, now I, I understand we can get into like the whole politics of the matter, or you just, you know, for for the sake of quote geopolitical stability, you can't do that. But my big question is, is looking at their fleet, which nearest we can tell, just by mobility standards, is eight decades behind us. Why are we even playing games with these people? Good question. Uh, and I think it's partly to do with what you and Bruce have been researching, whereas there's no real desire from government, no matter what kind of affront or offence is given, to engage with real war. Proxy wars are fine, but real war with China or Russia. And also, we have been scared um, witless for decades about the possibilities of nuclear war and, and the horrors and the how it is an absolute end to everything. And we've got evidence to suggest that that is true, in that we saw what happened and seen the evidence of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the nuclear testing that's gone on. We know what kind of damage and, and kind of energy is given off by megaton with the new warheads that have been tested. And so people haven't got the stomach for it. That's why we play games with them. But also, we know if we know that their their entire fleet is diesel, which means that they have to have a gas turbine or a diesel engine running in order to move and fight the ship, then you know we we are going to sink them if we have yeah. to. Yeah, we're going to. The Japanese could with... do it single handedly. I think at least the 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 detachment they have in the South China Sea, they could sink that in I think a week on their own. Yeah, uh, but again, it's down to that underwater warfare side of things. But that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because my next question was going to be this. And I, I don't know the answer to this question. I'm just I'm open to the discussion. The Russians. OK, so if we're going to talk about the underwater side of things, obviously, we're going to talk about submarines. The Russians 
have nuclear submarines, albeit it's a different kind of reactor than what we have, at least the, the US, the British and the French. It's a different kind of reactor. Why would the Russians not share that technology with the Chinese, in your opinion? I'm just asking. I, I don't know. I don't have a thought on that. Right. Well, maybe it's the psyche of the, the Chinese elite. They rely and always have relied on numbers. And when you have many, many military units, um, whether they're maritime, air or land, and you make them bigger and bigger, you can't necessarily control and make sure things like nuclear reactors are safe. So maybe it's just their psyche. We've got the people. We've got the cheap labor. We've got the manufacturing. We've bought all the iron ore that we could possibly buy from Australia to build things. So we'll just build lots. It's the same same with the Russians to, to some extent. They never really retire since about 1940. They haven't really retired any of their equipment. If they get something new, they just make a new regiment, a new squadron, and so on. They don't really retire. You've still got bears, the, the big uh, long-range bombers, which are now refitted for long-range surveillance, and I'm sure they can still carry air-to-surface cruise missiles as well. Um, they're still in service. I've got you know, a thousand that, that, DC-3s in, still in service that we gave them under Lend-Lease. They're still Yeah, flying. under Lend-Lease. So they, they don't throw anything away, and they just make their, their armed forces bigger. And it's probably the same with the Chinese. They don't need to go diesel electric uh, because actually, you know, maybe it's a, um, a supply and demand thing. The amount of things that they're producing that require batteries, lithium batteries, things that aren't too heavy, aren't too big, but can store an, an awful amount of, of energy. They use them for other things. They're, they're in our cameras, they're in our phones, they're in our cars. You know, so maybe it's a, a supply and demand thing, but I actually think it's more to do with we've got the people, we've got the cheap labor, we'll just build them as cheaply as possible and have lots. Honestly, I, I think I could agree with that. That seems to make more sense. I mean, that's, that's kind of what the Chinese do. They just build a whole lot of something and then they just say, well, we've got another one to go right into service if something breaks. So that's kind of what they do. I, yeah, right. I noticed even with the Soviet ones, the, the Udaloy, which is were ASW cruisers. We followed two Udaloys through the Irish Sea as they were heading their way down to the Straits of Gibraltar to go into the Med. And we, back in those days, it was well before uh, video cameras were commonplace. I had to film everything, uh, 35 millimeter cine film. Um, and we managed to, to realize on uh, analyzing the film and the stills that we took that they've only got enough crew on board to operate half of the systems at once. And their maintenance, we know, is is not brilliant. So rather than having one of every system, they had two of every system in case it broke down. And so in, in actual fact, they look very fearsome and extremely well armed, but they could only operate half of their systems at any one time. That's an interesting point. Uh, and thinking on that, if you apply that to their diesel fleet, I believe you brought this up uh, as well, Bruce, the amount of logistics that you've got to have to maintain a diesel fleet that is at sea, they're going to have to not only engage in, in warfare at sea, they're also going to have to maintain the logistical supply lines to maintain that diesel fleet. But then again, a diesel electric destroyer or frigate or even uh, the carriers, they still need a massive supply chain. Exactly, um, exactly. The auxiliary the auxiliary fleet in the UK, the Royal Fleet Auxiliary, uh, provide food, ammunition, and fuel. So there is no ship built that can just survive on electric. It has to have some form of diesel generator to charge up those battery banks. And it just means that when it needs to, it can run very silently because the diesels will be shut off and it purely runs on electric. But it's so all of those ships, even the diesel electric ones, still need a ready supply of fuel. And if they're at sea for long periods of time, food. And if they've been in an engagement, a re-ammunitioning. You know, the, the main guns of these ships, the magazines can be emptied in 30 minutes. 
if they really went at it. And so you'd need to resupply all of that 5-inch, 4.5-inch or 6-inch ammunition back to the ship. So the auxiliary ships are really important in this process. And certainly nowadays, the main gun of a ship isn't used anti-ship surface to surface. It's used to support troops landing uh, as naval gunfire support. I was just going to add that um, supposedly this uh, carrier we were uh, looking at, supposedly it has a range of 5,000 miles, is, is what they're saying. Now, what we don't know is we've never seen it operate under its own power. So we, we, we don't know. We, we just don't know what it's capable of or if it's capable of even uh, floating on its own. Because as, as you pointed out, the uh, tarmac is a little bit um, a little bit cracked and it shouldn't be doing that, which I would speculate if you didn't have any lower decks, that would uh, eliminate a lot of the supports, you know, the the bulkheads and whatnot. They may have just made the, the basic shell and, you know, enough to keep it together. But as it's just kind of what little bit of movement that's happening in the bay or when it was pushed by a tug, it may have been enough to bend it. I think that kind of damage that you can see in the in the satellite still is more likely caused by a misalignment of one of the prop shafts setting up a vibration. When you lay down a shaft line, it's done with laser precision. It really has very small tolerances because if it's slightly off from, you know, the, what's the word, the diff, through the various boxes, the plumber box, through the A-frame, which is outside of the the, the vessel un- underwater, you get vibration that, that, and I'm not an expert in this area, but I have done some work with this kind of equipment. If you get that kind of oscill- oscillation, it can shake a ship apart. So any shaft line misalignment that's out of tolerance is going to cause that kind of damage on the upper deck. And God knows a lot, you know, what uh, has, has happened inside the ship uh, uh, as well. That's just the the surface. Uh, and you can see it's on the um, port side of the vessel where the cracks appear to start. And I would say that their port shaft line is um, is out of alignment. I, I do have uh, one other question uh, when it comes to those kind of carriers. Is it typical for the flight deck to be so patchy looking? Yeah. Believe you me, I've done enough painting in Pusser's Grey, uh, Warship uh, Battleship Grey, to know that it gets mismatched. But the kind of paint that is put onto flight decks is normally done by contractors the actual ship's company wouldn't do it. It would be a specialist team would come in. The area, the whole area that needs to be redone would be stripped back down to bare metal, a new priming surface, and then a two-part paint is mixed because it's textured. It, it's there to give uh, grip. So if any part of that deck was repainted, it wouldn't necessarily be exactly the same color as the rest of it. Moving on here to our last topic, uh, I thought you'd like to see this. Bruce and I had a look at this last night. This is state television. I'm not going to play it because they're speaking. It. The French were doing a report on it, but they were covering it from Iranian state TV because all of that is banned here. But the Iranians have unveiled their uh, hypersonic missile. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you've if you heard about this, but supposedly now they have hypersonic technology to, um, to deal with uh, the Israelis. This is uh, their... Their cardboard, excuse me, their their hypersonic uh, missile here uh, that's that's guided that will uh, wage war on the the other country that they don't like. I hadn't heard about it, but again, I haven't been watching Al Jazeera or any of the other news stations that I used to watch a lot while I was out in the UAE. Maybe that's part of the reason that I wasn't so susceptible to the propaganda that we're suffering at the moment because I was getting news from other sources than the BBC or Sky. The thing is, why is the rest of the world not properly cracking down on Iran? This kind of blatant threat where they have a a state-run TV piece showing the flight path from Tehran to Tel Aviv, you know, direct with no no deviations yeah. whatsoever. I mean, it's a straight line. A straight line. It's it's a 
It's a real provocative televisual piece. And the only people who really know what's going on are the intelligence services who will have the full data on that equipment. I think to answer your question, just really quickly, I think to answer your question, why is no one calling out Iran? This is the same reason no one's calling out Russia and China. They're allied. It's part of the plan. It's part of the plan. Uh, and it's to create fear. Now, whether you agree with the existence of Israel, which, let's face it, didn't exist till 1947. Yes, the uh, deal that you guys set up over there with the Palestinians. Yeah. yeah. And... Because of all the tension and because of the, well, initially it was Nazi hunting by Mossad, which they continue to do, by the way, but so many agents of Mossad have infiltrated into Iranian organizations. And these people are, whatever you think of the, uh, of the politics of it, they are incredibly brave because they are really, you know, deep in it and they will they will know whether or not this is a viable threat or whether it's posturing and more cardboard cutouts you know in the past we've we've made ships when we had to out of concrete there's even been icebergs fitted with guns as temporary warships the deception we had before d-day when the uh, the german reconnaissance planes flew over and we had the uh, the inflatable tanks and the jeeps and and everything else and yeah my my home county of norfolk and suffolk uh, the airfields there were filled with inflatable tanks uh, all to give the impression that we were going to invade the part de calais as opposed to normandy which was the actual um, site of the landings uh, and so to attack there most efficiently, everything had to leave from the southeast, not from the east of England. So it was southeast and southwest. So, yeah, it's been done before. Uh, and if they but my, my real problem with this is if given the, the manufacturing industrial capabilities of China, why would they build a fake one? I don't get it. They They could build. I suppose it's because it looks like an exact copy of an American one, and all of a sudden, that kind of imagery gives the West a little bit of fear. Yeah, but it's possible. Yeah. Why not just build something a little bit smaller that works, that is actually a real aircraft carrier? Well, I don't think that they can actually get things right. And and the reason I'm not, you know I'm not trying to be condescending here, but because of their systems, you know the way the way that they build things, the way that they do things, they can't actually do anything to make it work. If that makes any sense, Th this is the the real quandary about all this is that Russia and China and all the countries they're allied with, such as North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, Iran, and and so on, and Syria, and so on and so forth, they can't actually build anything. And again, I'm not trying to be condescending. The only thing they can do is steal things and copy them. That's all they can yeah. do. If you go all the but, way back to the period after the Second World War, the Soviet Union had a problem with uh, tractor production. We talk about it, but it's not really um, it's not really mentioned too much in our history. But they did have a problem with their harvest after the days of Stalin and then Nikita Khrushchev took over. And so in order for Khrushchev to fix this problem, they couldn't actually build any any harvesters. They couldn't build any tractors. So what did they do? They actually bought harvesters and tractors from us, from the U.S. Uh, yeah. They bought they bought John Deere's, you know, the green John Deere green. They bought those and they painted them red. And what did they do in order to try and fix their problem? Apart from the ones that they used from us, they bought them. They stripped them down to every last nut and bolt and they copied absolutely everything, reassembled them and they still couldn't make them work. So I think you're running into the same problem now. Is this due to the fact of their systems, they just can't build things that actually work. And so well, they have to pretend. And I'm not saying they don't have real you know, weapons that we should be concerned about. I, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that most of the time, and it deals with this, uh, this propaganda campaign, this disinformation campaign that we were discussing in prep, is when they're weak, they have to project that they are the strongest thing going. Yeah, I sort of get that. But again... The process of being able to land an aircraft and take an air and take off from a moving warship started just before the First World War. The process of learning how to do it. And back then, a lot of people got medals posthumously for their attempts 
at landing on a moving platform. The Chinese do not give a fat rat's arse about losing a few pilots. They will simply train some more. Here in the West, in the US, the UK, if we lost people uh, as test pilots, or, you know, not even test pilots, people who were just trying to land on after going through training, there'd be an instant inquiry. There would be an uproar. Political heads would roll. That's not going to happen in China. They could happily lose a dozen pilots a day and still carry on because no one's going to complain. That is if anyone found out about it in the first place. So to my mind, I still don't know why they would build a fake aircraft carrier. And at the moment, I am convinced that is a fake aircraft carrier. I can't see the aircraft lifts um, without those. I mean, Bruce, you said its range is 5,000 miles, 5,000 nautical miles. Obviously, that's without a replenishment. Yeah. Um, but if that's its real range, and that's as far as it can actually go before it has to go back alongside, that might be have something to do with the fact that that's how far the land-based air stations are if they're not raising aircraft onto its deck from a hangar below. So it could be that it sails full of aircraft with, it, with them all ranged on deck to be shot off those three catapults and then has to go back to pick some more up because the ones that have taken off can't land on it because the deck's broken. No, at, at the moment, that does to me look like a fake, a fake aircraft carrier. And the uh, with that Iranian video, I, I also think that's a fake. It, the missile is real in the sense that they, I think it's probably metal tube and all of that, and it may actually be functional, but I don't think it's a hypersonic. I, I think, uh, given that this is a basically this is propaganda. Their people right now are. There's a bit of unrest over there uh, because of uh, prices. Food is really expensive, whatnot. People are, um, they're hurting there economically. And I think this is typically they use uh, aggression towards Israel as a focal point to try to divert attention from themselves, you know, to, to uh, whenever there's unrest. Uh, and I think that's really what this is, is they're just like, uh, don't get angry with us. We're actually trying to fight the great Satan or the, you know, little Satan or whatever they call Israel in America yeah, or the West. So I, I think that's really what, what, what's going on there. But again, the images we're seeing, that's just a, an artist's impression. Those fins on the missile do not articulate. They don't move. And at hypersonic speeds, the slightest bit of atmospheric problem that would just keep going off in the direction that it's it's been forced onto no, um, no. So by the atmospheric. It couldn't readjust. You're misunderstanding, Marty. And I explained this to Bruce because he he pointed out exactly the same thing. And I said, judging by the presentation they gave, you don't need to move it. You see, it's just going in a straight line. It's only going to one place. They're just going was, straight to Tel Aviv. I think out of us three, I'm the only one that's probably flown over that flight path probably 30 times. It's, yes. it's mountains, it's lakes, it's desert. All of those land features create different weather patterns above them. Updrafts um, and everything else, yeah. Yeah, so something needs to be able to steer and to get back on target. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it's just a great big uh, splash into the Mediterranean and they'll kill lots of fish around Cyprus. It it did look like uh, I mean this as a joke. The the fins um, they looked like they have just a little bit of canter to them, just a little bit to cause it to spin. And I'm guessing they're probably taking some initiative from like an RPG that does that. You know, it it, it I, spins. I think they're taking I think initiative work. from the um, Sasha Baron Cohen film, The Dictator. The Dictator. <laughs> uh, if you guys haven't seen that, you need to watch it. The bit where he's being introduced at their scientific research center and the missile has got a big round dome on it not a point and he's going no 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 no. this is not scary we need a point to be scary that's what that that piece of televisual terrifying propaganda was but again like i say the agents that are all in, already well embedded into iranian establishment 
will know exactly whether or not that's a viable threat. And if it is a viable threat, there will be actions to make sure that it doesn't come into production. I'm surprised just on that, and this, you know, we'll we'll go ahead and, and end this. But uh, I'm surprised just on that that seeing that that presentation, uh, what Mossad would probably call a target-rich environment. I'm surprised the presentation by state media actually went on as long as it did. Well, yeah, there you go. I mean, all of their generals look the same. I mean, didn't yeah. we bump off? Sorry, didn't somebody <laughs> bump off a few recently? And it yeah. looks like all the same ones are there again. You know, that they all look exactly the same. Tight gray hair, well-trimmed beard, loads of scrambled egg and stuff on their shoulders. They must, just like we mass produce our politicians somewhere in Iran, they're mass producing generals. You do know that the uh, the replacement for uh, Soleimani a couple of years ago, you do know that they got him, right? He died of a heart attack. You had called it a year prior. You said that he looked like he'd been handed a poison chalice when he took the yeah. job and they got him. It was it was about a year, uh, about a year ago now. Uh, he had a heart attack. Yeah, they, of, they, died of mysterious they all need to be doing just well enough not to get shot by the Iranians, and not well enough to actually make it to the top to get shot by Mossad. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, final words for the uh, week before you get away? No, um, tomorrow I am running and organising a medieval night, so I should be dressing up again. I've been rehearsing the sword play, which is is all part of the act, but there'll be plenty of um, eating meat with our fingers, throwing the bones on the floor, and I've made a pillory, um, which is the bit, the standy up bit where you put your arms through and your head through. So anyone who's not in proper costume, anyone using their phones will be accused of witchcraft, uh, and we're looking to have a good night back in the... 11th to 14th century well uh just for uh, just on that point just for the sake of it um i hope that you catch plenty of those they them people and put them in those those things i don't think there'll be any they them people at the place where i'm going but um okay it's all for charity it's all oh, for charity good. so okay. yeah that's good well i hope you have a great time and we will see you next week indeed you will that will do it for us today and for this week it's been a pleasure bruce i will see you tomorrow on the exclusive and marty will see you next week so thank you for being here today gentlemen thank you to all of the listeners god bless everyone have a great weekend and we'll see you on monday